From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with two real powerhouses. I mean, these are, are great guys. They're great family men. They are great business owners. They're great mentors and coaches. We've got Don McGrath and Jim Grant, and they have so much experience. And I'm just going to throw the mic over to you guys because we're going to talk about pivoting today, and we're going to talk about creating a good ask. And so I'm going to go to you, Don, first. Introduce yourself and then we'll throw the mic over to Jim. Thank you so much, Sandra. I'm Don McGrath. Some people refer to me as the speaking geek because I absolutely love everything about speaking, whether it be speaking on the radio, speaking on a stage, speaking on a virtual event, speaking on video, speaking on social media. I just geek out about it. So that, that's kind of who I am, a co-founder of Speakers Pathway. And these times, we're all having a pivot. If you're, if you're not pivoting, then you're not paying attention probably because there's such, I mean, there is, we don't know the new normal yet. And so everyone's having the challenge of trying to understand where to go. So I'm so excited today to be talking about pivoting and some of the things that we've learned. Yeah, Don, you're exactly right. I'm Jim Grant. It's such a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to be on your show and I'm also, Don and I, we created the Speakers Pathway Coalition. And the reason we created originally was to be able to help people find clarity, to be able to get their message and take it to the world. And during this pandemic time, we also created the Messages of Inspiration, Hope, and Support. And I host that show in addition to my radio show. But in that particular arena, what we do, we invite speakers in from all over the place because there's a lot of people want to share their messages with others about inspiration, hope, support, how to keep on keeping on when the going gets tough. And you know, really what, what it did, they were able to bless themselves because it renewed their energy as they shared energy with others. And that's part of what pivoting is about. You got to look for openings. You got to take care, uh, take advantage of, of, of these openings. Most importantly, if you focus on serving others first and don't look internal, then you're on the road to success. And Sandra, I'm so honored to be here with you and be with my buddy Don and be, just be part of your show. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys. Cause you know, I love the word pivot, you know, for those of you who were fans in the eighties of the show friends, you remember Ross saying pivot, 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 or however he pronounced it. But you know, when I have to shift rapidly or make a new path or all of a sudden I hit a roadblock and I have to pivot, um, it's helpful to remember some things because in this state of uncertainty, we'll call it, where business is flexing and changing, where digital is coming to the forefront for many people who have never used. These are some pretty big pivots. These are some huge pivots. And for those of you that are my work at home followers, there are so many of you that are writing into me about why are people having so much trouble working at home and pivoting with that. And you know, when you go, I've been a work-at-home mom, I've been a stay-at-home mom, I've been a work-out-of-the-office mom, and I've been a run-a-company mom, both in and out of the office, hybrid, all by raising two boys who are now 13 and 16, and I've been doing this 15 years, guys, and I will tell you, everything is difficult in the beginning, you know, it's just that way. And I want to talk a little bit about the learning curve when you have to pivot. Because I think if I say to myself, okay, now I have both of my kids homeschooling at home with my dad, with the three dogs, we're all trying to share the same space and the same internet and the same computer system. If I just start with, okay, this is going to be challenging for a couple of weeks, but we'll get, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. 
that mindset helps me a lot. I'd like to know what you guys do when you're faced with a monumental pivot and you just have to adjust. What do you do with your mindset? So I, I, I'd like to share something that I learned actually from rock climbing. And I share this with rock climbers when I'm doing training with them is sometimes they'll get really frustrated because they can't do a climb and they can't get up it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, listen, this is what you signed up for. I mean, if it weren't difficult, this wouldn't be fun. I'm right. So having a business, being an entrepreneur, starting a business, working on a business, being successful, making money, providing for your family. Well, it's hard. I mean, I don't know if and no, no one goes unscathed, right? It's challenging. We signed up for it. So when, I guess my thing is when I'm faced with something that's hard and it gets, it gets harder, I'm, I'm not surprised by it. It's like, well, yeah, this is what's going to happen. But I know if I, if I try A and that doesn't work, then I try B and that doesn't work, and I try C and that doesn't work, if I just keep going, experience shows me eventually I, I figure it out and then I find success. Absolutely. How about you, Jim? What do you do when faced with big pivots? Oh, absolutely. And when I first started my manufacturing business, I tell people, I said, it was left up to the big three, me, myself, and I. I got up <laughs> early. I worked late on weekends and worked late at nights. And, you know, it was really a commitment. And whenever people come to us and, you know, or I'm working with someone and they want to know, you know, what is it that, you know, what can I do? You know, how can I get going? And first thing to do is what is your main objective? What's the long-term objective? Don has this big picture of the rear end of an elephant. And he says, you got to start there and you got to work your way back. Because if you do not have clarity in your mind, you're, 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 you're just dead in the water. I mean, you got to have clarity. What is the main objective? What, where do you want to be? And we got to have a clear path from that, from where you want to be to where you are now. Then you design your game plan, and sometimes you just got to put binders on it and just make a commitment. And just like Don says, hey, if it was easy, everybody could do it and just keep on keeping on. And that's what I encourage people to do because that's what I've done all my life. I'm retired military, thir- uh, 31 years in the military. And, you know, sometimes you just got to get up early. You got to work late and work on weekends and don't complain. Thank right. God. Thank God you got the energy to do it, you know. Well, that's, you know, you were talking about some really good, good, you know, kind of visuals here. You know, when you brought up the elephant, I could think like what I learned in the, with the Marine Corps was, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know, break it down into small steps and take little steps. But I think one of the things that people are struggling with right now, and I just did a couple shows with a few Navy SEALs and a Navy SEAL vascular surgeon, we talked about how to manage uncertainty. And you know, when you're building a business, when you're, where you're structuring, whatever, you can have a game plan, but the game plan has to include how to manage and navigate uncertainty because we live in uncertain times. Is the gym going to be open? Is the gym going to be closed? If you're a gym owner, you're not in control anymore of your business. Do you fly in the face of the health department? Do you pivot like my gym did and said, fine, we're going to do Zumba in the parking lot and we're going to blast the music in the parking parking lot. We're going to tell everybody to park on the street and walk, and we're going to do the classes in there. That was a huge pivot. That was, to me, like a stroke of brilliance to go, how do you keep your business open in these uncertain times? And a clear vision is very difficult to have when you have this kind of uncertainty. So I'm curious to ask both of you your viewpoint on uncertainty, because the SEALs have to manage uncertainty all the time. All they know is their target. They don't know anything from A to Z in between there. They can prep, they can prepare, they can think about it, they can brainstorm, but everything is uncertain except for the end goal and the start goal. So I would love your opinion on managing uncertainty. Go ahead, Don. I'll bring back, back this back to rock climbing because it's popped into my head. Sure. Right? So like Jim said, you got to begin with the end in mind. If I want to climb El Capitan in Yosemite, I, I know where I want to get. I want to get to the top. It's very, very clear that the top is where I need to get so I can hike off and come, come back down to my, to my nice comfy camp wherever I'm camping. Now, when I get to the base of it, the only thing that is clear to me is about 10 or 15 feet up. That's it. Everything else is just a vague feature, right? I kind of, no matter how much I study it, I can't see it. I only have visibility into like the next 10 or 15 feet. So focusing on everything between here and the top is not productive. 
the thing that's productive is the next 10 or 15 feet. Focus on doing that, conserving energy, doing it safely, doing it carefully, doing it beautifully. And then, you know, when I get there, I can see the next 10 or 15 feet. Always well, is it fair to say that like a rock could break, something could crack, your equipment, a piece of equipment could fail. So there's always uncertainty. There's always uncertainty. It, 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 there's the only thing that's, that's certain is uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what we do, there's always uncertainty. And I think the best thing we can do is like Jim said, be very, very clear on the summit. Because the worst thing you can do is put in all the time, all the effort, end up on the wrong flipping summit. Like end up somewhere where you don't want to be. I actually wrote a book once and I wasn't prepared to do what I needed to do to take advantage of it. And I, I ended up on the wrong summit. I put in 300 hours and I just didn't want to do the next likely step. I ended up on the wrong summit. Mm-hmm. So be very clear on the summit. What's your end game? And then focus on the next 10 or 15 feet. That's, and just, just focus on executing that. Go ahead, Jim. When Don talks about his rock climbing experience, it reminds me of how we created this Speaker's Pathway Coalition is because he had an accident. Mm. He actually had a freak fall. He didn't know how it happened, and it slammed him up against the side of the mountain, and he broke his foot. And I asked Don, I says, how many times have you actually fell rock climbing? He saw about a 1,000. <laughs> so this guy doesn't quit. This guy does not quit. And one of the things that I like to share with people is that when you get up and you set your list for the day, this is my agenda. This is what I'm going to do. Don't lock yourself into slavery with that list Mm -hmm. because do what you can, use your energy, focus on doing the best you can, and don't think about get upset with yourself because you didn't get this done and that done and the other thing. Now you got to put off tomorrow. Give thanks in what you were able to accomplish and know that you know that you know that you did the very best you could. And, you know, be grateful for it. Give thanks. Because that way you don't beat yourself up unnecessarily. And most importantly, put another load on your back that you don't need to carry. Right. Well, and I love that because it's all about focusing on the right things. You know, Don, I heard you say, you know, your goal is to get to the top, the right top. You know, and for Jim, when you look at your to-do list and, you know, most of us do this, we look at the things we didn't do. We don't focus on the things we did accomplish that day. So, you know, we're talking about where you apply your focus. And I was talking with my friend who owns the gym that I work at and he kept saying, oh, you know, with these closures, they keep closing things down and, you know, I can't do what I normally do. And I said, okay, let's just dial it back for a little bit. What do you do? And he said, I run a gym. And I said, no, you don't. And I, and we kept, you know, I kept going through that conversation with him. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I said, you own a business that generates income by helping people achieve their fitness goals. So what can you do outside of the gym? And so, you know, moving the stuff in the parking lot, I said, can you put some online fitness classes together for your members? And everybody gets a phone call and an email saying, okay, every day at 830, there's going to be body pump. You're going to do it in your living room. We can't have you in here, but we're still, and that way you can still get the membership dues in each month because your business is not the gym. Your business is to generate income doing something. And I think that's where people get stuck because what do you really run? You run a business to generate income by providing a service. So if you can't provide that exact service, what other services can you provide during these quarantine lockdowns uncertainty where you can generate funds or you know, continue your business in a new and different way. And I think, you know, what you focus on and what you think about determines where your direction is and what grows in your business. So I'm going to go to Jim this time because he's nodding his head. I love when you nod your head because it makes me feel very validated as I talk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, what you were talking, it reminded me of a conversation I had with a young lady. She was a single mom. She laid off, out of work, word to death. And I said, well, this is a great opportunity for you to, you know, explore your horizons and do what you can do, what you are in charge of. And I shared with her one of the programs that we have, the six-minute webinar, how she could help, you know, become an expert in that. 
and she could generate income from that. And if anyone's out there listening, this is a great uh, tip, not, not necessarily for, from us. I mean, to do this with us, but it's a great tip. But look at all of the doctors and veterinarians and dentists and people like that that do not have anyone on their staff that is a social media expert. You could step right in there and help them, and you could generate income. And most importantly, feel good about yourself, plus you've expanded your horizons. And whenever you focus on helping others first and watering others first, that's when you're going to be watered. Don't be focused on what your problems are. That's right. Be focused on helping someone else solve their problems, and the rest of it is pretty much downhill. Isn't that right, Don? It is, and I, <clears throat> I love what you said, Jim. And Sandra, I love, I love what you said, too, about the gym owner. What's the saying that to a carpenter, everything looks like a, 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 can be solved with a hammer and a nail? Right. And, and I think we get stuck right? We see this all the time with people in speaker's pathway who aren't achieving what they want to, especially in these times of pivot, where they're, they're looking, okay, I, 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 here's how I solve the problem, and now I'm going to like do it a little bit differently. I think that the key in a big pivot is to take that step back like you helped the gym owner do and say, what problem do I solve for whom? Right. And all of us can solve lots of problems, right? I can go dig a ditch, and so they'll help, help somebody build a fence. Now, it might not be where my genius is, but I could do that. So I think, but asking yourself, what problems can I solve for whom? Yes. Right? And like, like you said, the problem that that gym owner really solves is helping people with their fitness goals. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? They happen to do it with a gym, but there's, there's other ways they can do it. And then ask the question, well, who can pay me to solve that problem for them? Because that can change too in a, in a pivot. Absolutely. You know, and I have a couple of clients who are psychologists and um, therapists and they were calling me complaining saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, nobody's coming into my office. Nobody's coming into my office, you know, cause they can. So I'm like, well, call them, you know, instead of waiting and sitting and waiting for your clients to come to you, how about pulling up your client list of all the people that you serve and say, how are you doing today? This is Dr. So-and-so. I'm calling to check on you. How are you doing with the anxiety, whatever? They say, fine, and hang up the phone. You know, move on to the next one, just like you would direct dial for real estate. And she started getting people saying, well, I'm really struggling with anxiety. Well, would you like to set a session with me? I'd be happy to call you at noon, and we can do a telehealth session. So, you know, going out there to dig up the business, because most people, I think, with this pandemic are like a deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. They're like, everything I was doing, you know, kind of reaction, rote memory. I've been doing this for 20 years the exact same way, like a robot. And now that the rugs pulled out from under people, they've frozen and they've forgotten how to think. They've forgotten how talented they are, that this is an opportunity, you know, to create great business ideas. You know, if your business is not doing great, what an amazing opportunity if the government shuts you down for a month to develop your business in a different way. But most people are sitting there watching the news abject fear and they're not taking this great opportunity that we have given this pandemic to recreate yourself your business your body i mean where else do we get recess if you will from life go ahead don yeah i i again i i just i just really love that and i it brings me back back to a time when i went through a really a pivot time. I was a director of engineering in a fortune 500 company and there was a big reorganization and I got the phone call. I got the phone call from my boss saying my job was going away. And I was just like stressed out. You know, I, I was like, Oh my God, am I ever going to find another job? And I remember talking to a really good friend of mine. This is, this is what good friends will do for you. Right? So his name is Walt. I was talking to him lamenting about and expressing my worry and concern he said, Don, you have a flipping PhD in electrical engineering. Did you ever think you're going to find a job? Are you kidding me? And so really it's a matter of how do you have that self-confidence to know that you, can, you, you, you are really valuable. In fact, you're valuable in so many things. I think the challenge is narrowing it down to one sure. right, and really focusing on that and, and really getting out there, picking up the phone to the right people in that area. And the management of fear. Mm-hmm. Management of fear. I mean, it's like he said, once he said that, I was like, this is nuts. 
you know, I, I'm, I was, I wasn't sleeping about it. He was ab- absolutely right. You know, I, I, I should have nothing to worry about, but that was really a problem for me. Well, like the therapist calling her clients, asking how they are, seeing if she could help them. I mean, you know, such a simple, simple solution to a massive problem in her mind, in her business. Go ahead, Jim. What are your thoughts? When you guys are talking, it brings back memories of my failures in my past, because here I was, I owned a manufacturing business. I did business with Fortune 500 companies, Malcoil Waste Management and all this. And when I got out, when I sold that and started doing other things and I eventually got into online business and all that, my biggest problem was I was a perfectionist. And that is your worst enemy because I would, they would gave me the perfect reason to procrastinate from taking action because now I can work on this and I can make it more perfect and I can work on this and I can make it more perfect. And all you're doing is shooting yourself in the foot. You're selling yourself cheap because ladies and gentlemen, I'm the co-founder of Speakers Pathway Coalition. I'm the co-founder of the six minute webinar.com. And guess what? Don't tell anybody I told you this, but I don't know everything, <laughs> but, I, but I don't have to know everything. Now, Don says, okay, I thought he was going to say something intelligent. I already know that. <laughs> but most importantly is that don't be afraid to take a chance. Don't be afraid to put your best foot forward. And, you know, you're going to learn as you go, because as a former instructor, I can tell you the best class you'll ever put on, the, the best teaching you'll ever do, and Don will verify this is when you learn something when you're preparing the class. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the secret right there. We could, don't be afraid to step out and try. No mm-hmm. one's going to laugh at you. Well, and even if they do, like I have two powerful words in my business, you guys, and I use it all the time and it kind of takes people back. Sometimes they get a little offended, but they get over it. The two most powerful words in business is, can you guys guess it? Do something. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a good one. Those are both good ones. But mine is, so what? Like, how simple is that? Like, you know, when I'm coaching my clients and people are like, you know, like, well, what if this doesn't work? So what? You'll do something else. You know, what Mm -hmm. if I fail? So what? Like, basically, get over yourself. Why do you believe you're the only person on the planet who's perfect? You know, you know, we had one person on the planet who's perfect and we crucified him. So, you know, beyond that. (laughs) You can fail and you can fail over and over again. And I think you guys, that's one of the things where I really, I really thank my athletic background. You know, I was a swimmer from the time I was five years old to college and I lost a lot. (laughs) You know, we all lose a lot and you cannot do anything and expect it to be perfect. And I think that perfectionism goes on to the management of fear, to try to control our environment. See, if I do this perfectly, then Jim Grant won't fire me. Then Don McGrath won't (laughs) yell at me. The more perfect I am, the more I can control everybody's reaction. And it's like, no, you know, you can't. It's only in your own mind that this perfectionism really you're the only one fooling yourself. You're not fooling anybody else. And you can do it perfect 99 times out of 100. But if your boss or your superior or your friend needs you to do the one thing, you could do it right 99 times in your mind and do it perfectly. And guess what? It's still wrong. And so, you know, I think that's, that goes along with the management of uncertainty I think the difference is, is I expect to fail. And I think that's like, Don, you were engineering. My background's technology. We fail all the time. We fail updates on our computers. We, you know, failure is a big part of the process. And a lot of times when you fail over and over and over and you fail at what you're doing, you sometimes get exceptional outcomes that create things like search engines or brownies or chocolate chip cookies. So I think it's really important. And one of the phrases that I use, and I would like to know your guys, um, the, the tools you use, whenever I'm doing something and I start feeling that rise of like, oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing. People are going to find out I'm a fraud. You know, <laughs> that whole stupid thinking. I go, you know what, Sam, progress, not per- perfection. Get over it. You know, progress, not perfection. Get over it. I'm going to keep moving forward because if you don't allow yourself to make forward progress, then you can't correct it. 
The worst thing you can do is sit still. And my friend, Joel Fotinos, he was the president of Tartar Perigee, the big publishing company. I used to write books for publishers in my 20s. Then I took my 30s and 40s off. At the end of my 40s, I got publishing deals. And all of a sudden, I was frozen. And he said, you know what, Sam, you can't fix what isn't written down. Go ahead. I give you permission to write crap. And I wrote a lot of it. (laughs) I wrote a lot of crap, but we could fix that crap into something good. So who would like to talk about progress, not perfection, and how perfection is really just a manifestation of our own fears and trying to control the outcome? Well, I'll I'll share something that uh, uh, a coach that I had that was helping me with, uh, I think it was my second or third book. And I was having, I was really anxious about something like, oh, what are the, and she said, you know, when you have anxiety, take action, just do something. Mm -hmm. Because when you're actually taking action, you don't have room for that voice saying I'm not. And so that was really, Jim, the start of my success rewards action. Everybody in Speaker's Pathway is tired of me (laughs) saying that success rewards action. And you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So just mm. take the action and then see what happens. And I don't know, I'd like, I'd like us to consider changing the definition of perfection mm-hmm. being doing something like perfect. <laughs> it, it's de- right by definition, whatever happens is exactly what needs to happen. So I can learn. Absolutely. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, excuse me. You're exactly right, Don, you know, and I just want to share this with the folks out there because I I learned this from Bill Heinrich. I'm going to talk a little bit about Bill. He's one of our executive training directors of Speakers Pathway Coalition. But um, Bill told me, he says, Jim, you need to stop making decisions. You need to start making options. Mm -hmm. Because when you make a decision, you're kind of like building a mental box and you got to fit everything inside that box. And if you make options, then you're more flexible on yourself. And this is another nicety to know whenever you're struggling and you reach your, your, that limit that Sandra was talking about, like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving my comfort zone now. I'm not really sure what I want to do. Share your information. Talk to someone that's a trusted source. Don and I, we own Speakers Pathway Coalition. And Don, you and I, many times, we have went to Bill and just bounced some ideas off him, talked to him about, well, we're thinking about this, we're thinking about that. And he comes up with those simple questions like, well, so, so what's the problem? You know? <laughs> Here we are. We're making Do it complicated it. because we're, we're doing too much mental effort and trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. And sometimes you need a breath of fresh air in your life to clean out the cobwebs of your thinking. And most importantly, that will help clear up the path that you're on. And you'll see things brighter. That's, that's what I like to share with the folks right now. Well, and I would like to pick up on, you know, you were talking about decision making versus creating options. Mm -hmm. In decision making, just the concept of a decision, let's think about what it evokes. It evokes binary, yes or no, right or wrong. Should you do it? Should you not do it? And there's a finality to it. Like making decisions in your business is almost like a death sentence because you've given yourself this polarity of yes or no, should I or shouldn't I? And it also shuts down the creativity because if you create options or like Alison Carmen wrote a great book called the power of maybe or the gift of maybe. And she said, what if we just interjected into our thought process, maybe, you know, or what if, and so if we're making a decision, which has a finality to it, it has, it even has a heaviness to it. It's like, Oh, we have to make that decision. And you know, Oh, like the stress with it versus, Hey, let's create some options. Let's create some options. And then we can choose which option is best for us. And then if that option doesn't work, we can move to option B. Now, did we make a decision? Absolutely. But did we have that heavy emotional investment in it? Absolutely not. So when we create options, we talk about creating options in our business. Everybody uses think outside the box. We're going to brainstorm. And All of those words we've heard again and again, they don't mean anything. You know, they're like, you need to lose weight when you go to the doctor. Like, who hasn't heard that except maybe Don a million times, you know? We don't even hear it anymore. And so when we look at creating options for our business and using the word maybe, because I want to throw this into the conversation, the power of maybe. Maybe we could. Maybe we could. Or what if, what if we did this? 
And all of a sudden now, look at the energy shift. You know, we're going to talk a little about business energetics here because I really believe our languaging can kill our business. When people say they have to go to work, they have to do this. And I used to be a have to person. And one of my coaches, Coach Ken in Montreal, said to me, he goes, you know, Sam, change your languaging. You get to go to work. You get to go on the radio. You get to interview people. And think about the shift that does in your energy and your creative energy. And if I say, what if, Don, what if we did this, Don? Hey, Jim, maybe we could do this. Look at the difference in the energy level. Who wants to talk mm-hmm. about energy and especially energy around languaging? I'll just say one quick comment and I'll turn it over to Don. I was teaching a class. I forget where it was, what I was teaching on, but I says, if I made this statement to you, I have to clean the garage. And then I say, I want to clean the garage. Mm-hmm. Notice how those two words make a totally different meaning. Now, if I have to clean the garage, that's a chore. Right. But if I want to clean the garage, I'm looking for the benefit later of right. what I want. And that's, that's a huge difference. And, you know, when you're, when you're using language like that, you know, it's, you can really subconsciously without knowing it, you can enslave yourself. Yes. Because one of the things that we've been telling people during the pandemic, we may be in solitary, con, you know, in, in, in under house arrest, but we don't need to be in solitary confinement. Right. And that's one thing that we've really brought a lot of people out. And a good friend of ours, Robert Jones, uses that phrase quite a bit. And Don, we've, uh, we've really uh, worked together in helping people. And it's really been a blessing for us, hasn't it, sir? It, it certainly has. Those partnerships and teamwork is absolutely incredible. And Sandra, when you were talking about the semantics and how important they are, I used to work, I was an engineering director in a, in a pretty big organization. And we used to design ships that had over a half a billion transistors on them, okay? Oh. And we talked about project execution all the time. So what comes to your mind when you talk about execution, right? Yep. <laughs> right? Exactly. So you couldn't, you couldn't talk about a project without talking about execution. And so that is, that's an example where I think it can be subconsciously very toxic. Another, another, another thing that came to mind is how, again, half a billion transistors, it would take two years to create one of these, okay? So we'd make a project plan. And we execute the project. And then do you think things went sideways once in a while? What if they were like Christmas lights and you have half a billion and they're strung like Christmas lights? You got to find the one one transistor that wasn't working. Right. And then we were always surprised. It was like heads are going to roll. You know, so as leaders of teams and leaders of organizations, that language is important. That culture we establish of, you know, heads will heads roll. I mean, no, we expect the unexpected to happen. And then we come together and say, okay, what, maybe we do this. What if we did this and let's problem solve it together? Absolutely. Well, and you know, I want to go back to the garage thing because, you know, you guys know I've had had six months of cancer treatments and I've got a break and then I'm going to have six more months of cancer treatments. And people are so funny, you guys, because they'll come to me and say, well, who's cleaning your pool? And I'm like, I'm cleaning my pool. They're like, why are you cleaning your pool? Because I can. Because I actually recognize that the value of my health and my body. And when I clean my pool myself, you guys, it's a testament to the health and well-being of my body. Now, could I sit there and play the cancer card and get people to come clean my pool for me? Absolutely, I could. But when you look at what you get to do, you know, when I teach my senior fitness classes and they're anywhere from, you know, 60 years old to 84 is my oldest student. She gets to come to the gym every day. She can ride the bike. You know, what a difference it is than saying, I got to go to work out. I have to go work out. I have to do my workout. You know, and when we look at that languaging on what kind of emotion it resonates with us, because I really believe the success in our business comes from our heart. Because if you are just running your business in your head, then you're into right and wrong. Should I, shouldn't I? What if I make a mistake? But if you run your business from your heart, what I call a heart-centered business, You do it because you love what you're doing, because you love serving people. You love helping people. And when people ask me why I work so much, 
My answer is because I love it. I love helping people. If somebody wants to do a radio show about a topic and they get off work at 11 o'clock at night and that's the only time they can talk about something that can elevate, comfort, validate, or support, I will get up. Why? Not because I'm a workaholic, not because I'm desperate for money. I love what I do and I love serving. And so if whatever your business model is comes from the heart, First of all, you're going to love your life. You're probably going to make a lot of money and you'll never walk around going, oh, I have to go to work. You're exactly right because I'm going to turn 72 next month and people ask me when I'm going to retire and I say, well, simple, the day before I die. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. I mean that very seriously because I go back to that thing that we're, you know, we grew up, your parents taught you about you're, you're known by the company you keep. And then I heard of several people talk about, if you look at your five closest friends, your average of them. And I know that if I hung around with people my own age, I'd start getting aches and pains, moans and groans, <laughs> and all these other things. But see, I enjoy life. I enjoy being on the radio. I'm like you. I enjoy training. I love working with Don. I love our members. I mean, I love my life. So, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not real good at gardening. Uh, I've got eight and a half acres. I cut grass because it needs to be cut. Um, I don't build bird houses, you know, but so, you know, I, I got to do something productive and you got to stay productive. So you might as well look and do something that you love and enjoy because money is irrelevant. If you're doing a, a good service and you're, you're helping people, you're going to be rewarded because if you water others and be a blessing to others, you're going to be watered and be blessed you too. So don't worry about money. If you're sitting there and twiddling your thumbs, worrying about money, you're, you're on the wrong path already. Please mm. get off that path. I don't know why I felt compelled to share that, but it just popped in my head. I love that. And and I think that um, also realize that we're not all good at everything. Right. And if you don't like to build birdhouses, find yourself a birdhouse builder. (laughs) If you're not, if you don't like spending a lot of time on social media, like we, we actually have someone, a couple people who are administrating like the video editing for messages of inspiration, hope and support. Someone's doing the scheduling. And allows us to, you know, Jim shows up, does the hosting. And, it, you know, so I think it's important to think about, look to others, look to the helpers. There are other people who have these other geniuses that you can, you can use in your own business. Well, I have kind of a rule of thumb, you know, for my clients that I tell them to carry this day planner around with them or even just a piece of paper and write down all the things that they do for two weeks. Jot them down on a piece of paper, carry it with you. And then we sit down and we look at this through a filter. They go, what are you doing that you're not good at? You know, because like, I'm really not good at the billing. I hate it. It's boring. And then I don't like billing clients. I don't like handling money. I, that's not my thing. So the first thing we do is we find somebody to handle the billing for me to pay the bills. I still sign the checks. I still go over everything, but I, I'm not good at it and I don't like it. Then you go down that list and go, what do you really not enjoy? You know, these are the things that I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy posting things. I really don't. I'm so bored sitting there waiting for things to upload. So I looked at that and I said, I really don't like these things. Now I have a bunch of high school and college students that do all my posting and they love it. Michael, who does the majority of my posting, he's a baseball coach during the regular season at a high school. He loves to sit there, watch the Yankees, watch the Mets, you know, watch the, you know, the Blue Jays. And he's got it on one screen and he's posting away perfectly happy as a clam. So if you look at like what you're not good at, what you don't like to do. And then the last one is what's a not, what's not a good use of your time? Because Mm -hmm. when I... I can do a lot of things. And I think about the time at CBS, you guys will love this story, working at CBS Television City in Los Angeles on all these shows, I'm paid a lot of money. And once a week, I kid you not, my boss, who's kind of, was kind of a nut job. She had me in the copy room a whole day putting a script into the machine and they had these great big $200,000 copiers that would spit out like 50 copies of the script and bind them. And I would sit in there reading a book and that company paid me like close to a thousand dollars a day to make friggin' 
scripts. <laughs> and so when I look at things and I go, okay, if I'm good at this, if I can do it and I like it enough, is it a good value of my time for this company? Because we all know as entrepreneurs, we're the big breadwinner. You know, there's certain things that only an owner or an executive can do. So am I, is this a good use of my time? Now I'm not saying I'm worth more, but if I'm allocating like CBS did a thousand dollars on a Friday to pay some girl with an MBA to read a book while pushing a button every eight minutes on the machine, not good use of your time. I could be much more valuable if I were put in the right position. As an entrepreneur, we have to have that same mindset. What position are we in? What role do we play on our team? Who wants to handle that? I got something to share. So one thing that was actually shared with me by Preston Martelli, one of our executive training directors, is he gave a workshop uh, when we were in Phoenix for our last event. And, you know, we might think, oh, but I got a person to hire somebody to do the video editing is like $45 an hour. And that's a lot of money. And, but, but his thing was like, well, what's, what do you got to pay you to do it? And, you know, as the owner of a business, you know, I don't know about you, but my time is really, really valuable. And I put a certain dollar amount, believe me, it's way more than $45 an hour. Really. <laughs> so thinking about it in that term, that all of a sudden it makes, well, then it makes perfect sense to hire the person with the right skills who could do it in one tenth the time and for one tenth the cost to do that, right? So it's, it's just maybe thinking about things differently and looking at your time as valuable and putting a monetary value on it. That's right. How about now, you, I took an inventory of my time. And one of the things that I tell people that if you want to really take an inventory of how well you've been spending your time, go on your computer and cut all, you know, going to clean out your cash and all that stuff, hit on the history and go down and take a look at all of the websites that you've been on. And I've been guilty of that. Just like anybody else, I'll see something. I'll pop over there for a few minutes. But if you look at that, you'll say, Oh my goodness, this is a checkup from the neck up. You know, if, if I was able to fire myself, I probably should fire myself and, you know, then maybe I'd get more serious about it, but it's a good way of taking inventory and being honest with yourself, how to best utilize your time, how to discipline yourself and just say no to the nonsense and yes to life. So you guys, while you were talking, Jim, I actually did that. So you're going to laugh. What do we see? Amazon. Then Ultimate Responsibility, which I was looking up a book. The Divine Purpose Guy, Bill, who's your friend. I looked up here him. Yoga Wheel Stretches, Chandra's Thai Food, Toyota's new, whatever, Sienna. And then back to Amazon, then to eBay. So it was a quarter shopping for me. That had <laughs> nothing to do. And this is my work computer, you guys. I'm really, mm -hmm. I'm like one of those dogs that chase hubcaps. I have a computer that all I do is my writing. It's just, it doesn't have, I don't connect it to the internet. It has no games, no anything on there. It's just for my writing because I don't have that kind of self-control. I have to work from home because I can't deal with distractions because I chase them. This is my work computer. So this should be a hundred percent work. And you can see I already snuck out and, you know, did some internet shopping. And then I actually have a radio studio that I just do my radio work. And as much as at first, my dad was like, well, this is excessive. Why do you need three computer setups with triple monitors? One, I can't see very well. So I need the triple monitors. But number two is I know myself well enough that I will start watching Netflix on my computer and completely forget I have a project due. It's not that I'm addled or that I have a problem. It's just the way the good Lord made me. So I put up boundaries and roadblocks to keep me on the straight and narrow for the most part, that when I come into my workstation, the radio workstation is radio, the writing workstation is writing, and my devices, because, you know, most computers, if you're not doing heavy computer, you can get a Chromebook for a hundred bucks. Like it's not, we're not breaking the bank. But setting yourself up for success means creating these areas of focus where I've eliminated the distractions that I know I have a problem with. And I don't know if everyone has problems with distractions, oh, yeah. but I have a big one. 
because sometimes I'm a hard target to hit or find because I'll shut my phone off and I'll shut off everything on the computer because there's certain things I want to do. And, uh, you know, then I realized, oh my goodness, I missed this. I missed that, you know, and, but see, it's, it's, it's kind of, that's the extreme. And I've got to come back to a more of a, a moderate position because it really aggravates me when I get a message that, you know, being somebody made a message, you know, put a message on messenger. And usually it's not anything important most yeah. of the time, but it's a distraction to me and that, and I really, it kind of gnaws at me some. So I'm, I'm still at that awkward age. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too young to retire and, and too old to, you know, be smart, you know? <laughs> Don? Well, there's, I, I read a study, I heard of a study, might've been a year, maybe a year and a half ago that on average, we check our cell phones 85 times a day. Mm-hmm. And there's other studies that show every time we context switch, Let's go from focusing on one thing to focusing on another one. Basically, every interruption, we lose between a minute and a half and 20 minutes of our time to refocus, depending upon how focused we were to begin with. And so just do the math, right? Let's say two minutes per time, two minutes times 85, it's like two and a half hours. So two two and a half hours per day, on average, our brains are kind of dealing with the fact that we're adjusting. And that's why... You know, working in that block time, even if you do it just for an hour a day, turn off all distractions as long as you're not expecting an important call or an important text and really just focusing because it's very, very lossy. I mean, going, checking the cell phone, going back and forth, you, 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 it's underappreciated. Well, and if you don't believe him, put an app on your phone called Screen Time. And it will give you a set of data analytics, which I have because, again, I have distraction problems. But... I, I can tell you in the last week on my iPhone, I used my phone on average for four hours and 15 minutes a day. And most of those were answering messages. And I'll just be honest, uh, two hours of those four hours in the, in the time uh, were used to play Best Fiends and Word Crush. You know, I will play those games, you know, while I'm doing other things, an hour and a half checking the mail, and then 30 minutes on Facebook. 30 minutes on YouTube, 30 minutes on Todoist, which is what I use to keep my to-do list managed, 11 minutes on Zoom, and eight minutes on Messenger, eight minutes on Instagram. And that doesn't sound like much in a week, but what else could you do with those four hours on your phone? And of the necessary ones, truly, the only necessary ones to run my business were the messages the Todoist, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. and that was like an hour total. So it's I don't think when when you look at it, it really can be astounding. And I yeah. I love that. You've, and then we've got data analytics now that can help you get a handle around it. So the context switching. We're, now we're not not perfect, right? I mean we sure. we're gonna spend some time, but at least being conscious of it, right? Like just being aware that okay. I'm going to have some of this time. I'm going to plan lunchtime to go do my play my candy crush. You know, I'm going to plan that into my day. Well, the nice thing, you guys will love this and then I'll close out the show, but best fiends is one of my sponsors. I actually have a video game sponsor on my episodes. So I get to play that for at least an hour a week and justify it as a business, you know, endeavor. Cause I have to talk about it, but what I don't need to do is play for four hours, which is what I was looking at and seeing there. And I think for many of us, and I'll leave you with this thought. If I gave you guys a hundred dollars, and told you to spend it on your business, you would probably be really good at spending it, right? You would know kind of where to allocate it, what to do, how much each dollar is worth. But if I gave you 100 minutes and asked you to spend those 100 minutes on your business, I think most of us would struggle with the allocation of the minutes, and minutes really are dollars, And when we look at time as an expenditure, it's even more severe because we can always make more money, but we can't make more time. So guys, I'd like to end with that. I'd like to guys to give our audience just, just a best recap, a best practice from today. What was your aha moment for today? I'm going to go with Don. What was one thing that struck you from today's show? What I really, what I really loved and something that you said, Sandra, is looking at what your business really is. 
What is your being? No, you don't own a gym. What problem do you solve for whom? So when you're looking to pivot and you're going to think about, oh, I want to do this and want to come back to that. What problem do I solve for whom and how do I generate money? Excellent. Excellent. How about you, Jim? I should have went with Don because that's what I was going to mention. But one thing that really impressed me is that all of us, we reveal that we're human. We make mistakes just like you. And our message is about encouraging you to don't beat yourself up. You know, just be aware of the things that can rob you of your time, the things that can drag you down, the things that can beat you up that you allow to be, be beat up with please put those things in a box and put them in a storage somewhere because you don't need them. Most importantly, forgive yourself when you make a mistake on it and just say, Hey, I made a mistake. That's okay. I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to start over a brand new. And I'm, you know, so what? It's as Sandra said, so what? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, thank you. We've got two great examples today of heart-centered business, of working from the heart, doing what you love, serving others, having grace, giving forgiveness, and also, most importantly, I'm really grateful because you guys gave me this time today out of your busy schedules to share with all of us. And if we make a point to be grateful for all the things we have, instead of focusing on what we can't do and what, what we don't want to do, focus on how grateful you are that you can work in your business today. You can listen to Don McGrath. You can go to Jim Grant. You got, you can go to speakers pathway. You can do this. And it's wonderful when you change your mindset. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are. Discover your purpose and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 